Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel reading of John, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to start out today by asking you all to do something for me, all of you who are watching here, here with us. It's a bit of a unique request. I want you to take a moment and poke yourself in the belly button. No, I'm serious. Just poke yourself in the belly button. Our navel is a constant reminder that we all started out life connected to another human being. And for many people, they spend all of their lives trying to get reconnected to someone. God created us as relational people to connect with others. And what he wants more than anything is to connect with us. Because he wants every single one of us to know him, to believe in him, so that the connection that we have through faith will last for eternity. But there's a problem. Much like the umbilical cord that was cut soon after birth between you and your mother— Sin has severed the relationship that we have with God. I mean, think about our original parents, Adam and Eve. They had the ultimate, perfect connection with God. They were able to walk with him, talk with him in the garden. There was nothing that separated them from him. And also, also it's possible that they're the only two humans ever to have lived on this earth that didn't have belly buttons. I mean, it's possible that God made them with them since he formed them, but they didn't have belly buttons as a result of an umbilical cord. But then they destroyed that perfect connection that they had with God when they ate the fruit that God told them not to. And as a result, death and destruction have entered this world. And the connection that mankind had with God has been ruined as well. And not just Adam and Eve, but for all of us. It's no longer perfect. And the words of David remind us of this. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We were born into this world connected physically to our parents, but disconnected spiritually from God because of sin. We're all born sinners. Sin that has been passed down to each and every one of us from Adam and Eve. That's original sin. And it leads us to do actual sins. All of that disobedience to God and his commands that we do on a daily basis. And the same punishment that Adam and Eve received is the same punishment that we receive. It's death. The consequence for our sin is death. And what we deserve isn't just physical death. It's eternal death. It's hell. We deserve to be eternally disconnected from God in hell. But that's not what God wants. He wants us all to be in heaven with him. Thus, in order to fix the connection issue, God had to do something about it. And he was the only one who could, because sinful people cannot redeem sinful people. 
Broken people can't fix other broken people. People destined for hell cannot save other people who are also destined for hell. Someone perfect needed to do it. We needed divine intervention. And that's why Jesus came. To fix what was broken. To restore that which has been disconnected. Or as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He is the only one who could. As the perfect God-man, Jesus, being both true man and true God, born of the Virgin Mary, was able to live the life that we all live. Had a belly button like all of us do. But because he was conceived through the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he was not sinful in the womb like all of us. He wasn't born into sin. He was a perfect man born into a sinful world. And he faced temptations like all of us. And he overcame all of them unlike us. But being perfect isn't the only thing necessary. In order to redeem something, in order to buy something back, you need something to offer. And all Jesus had to offer was his perfect life as our sacrifice. His body and blood on the cross in order to give us all forgiveness for all of our sins. In order to reconcile us to God, to redeem our lives from death and hell. And all of this he did because of his great love for us. As Paul says in Romans, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus rose from the dead because he is true God and his sacrifice restored the connection that had been broken because of sin. His death and resurrection gives us forgiveness and eternal life. The promise that in heaven we will be eternally connected to God, never to be separated again. And because we have been reconciled to God, we by faith are now Christ's ambassadors, as Paul says, called to bring the message of Christ's reconciliation to others. And that's what everyone his witness has been about, being a witness, an ambassador in our daily life. Now, as we've been going through Lassie, it's all about connecting others to God within the context of how we are connecting with them, building that relationship with them, much of that through the first two, listening to them and asking questions to encourage discussion. And in that relationship, seeking a point of connection to help us share the word of God because it is the word that changes people's hearts. This week we land on I, invite. Inviting to something that keeps the conversation about Jesus going. The conversation when we were listening and asking and listening more. And then seeking a point of connection to share God's word. And so if you get to the point of having shared the good news of Jesus Christ and the person doesn't respond in faith immediately, well, that doesn't mean the conversation is over, that the relationship is over. It continues on. And that's why we land on invite. Because inviting keeps the conversation going. Now, when you hear the word invite... I mean, you might automatically think, well, obviously you want me to invite them to church. 
Sure, that's one form of invitation. But invitations are driven by the context of your relationship with that person and need to be crafted for the individual person and their circumstances. So there isn't one standard invitation. Also, just think about our current situation. The context doesn't allow for you to invite them to church in person, as you might like to. Sure, you can invite them to church online, but I don't know how quickly someone would accept an invitation of, well, join me on church online, but you won't know I'm there because you can't see me, and well, we'll be in our own individual homes, but we're still doing it together. That, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't work for everyone. But your conversations will let you know if someone is open to that online invitation. Say that we were back in person worship. Many of you might remember when churches all over used to do and celebrate what we call Friendship Sunday. The idea was that on this Sunday, you invite a friend to worship, someone who needs to hear the Word of God. Any use Friendship Sunday? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. All right. Some of you. If you think about all of the years that you've attended church, have, ever, have, have you ever been a part of a Friendship Sunday before? Have you ever invited a friend to worship? If so, how did it go? Sometimes our current realities will also reveal to us the, how things can be effective or not. Take Friendship Sunday. I mean, there used to be a time when worship was a community thing. And so if you invited someone to worship, it was likely that they were going to meet someone that they already knew there, apart from you. Think about all the churches that are built within neighborhoods, built on street corners, surrounded by homes. But as the years have gone on, more and more people in our society have no experience with the church. Therefore, it's more likely that they won't know anyone who is regularly attending if they do come for the first time. Also, when we think about witnessing, it's evangelism. And evangelism is really all about reaching out with the word of God to those who don't believe. As far as worship goes, you know, we think about its gathering as God's people and receiving his gifts, connecting with God through the word and sacraments and giving thanks to him for all that he's done for us. The main point of worship is not evangelism, making believers out of non-believers. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but that isn't the main goal. Otherwise, every Sunday would be Friendship Sunday. What we see with the inviting, though, is that every day is Friendship Day. Every day is an opportunity to share and invite. Ultimately, this invitation that we're talking about is an invitation exactly like Philip gave to Nathaniel in the gospel reading. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. With the ultimate invitation coming from God, you're essentially inviting them to receive an invitation to the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. As John writes in Revelation, the invitation to Christ's eternal supper. And it starts with these other invitations to come and see Christ in any number of ways. 
And as you spend more time with people, as you discover whether they're more a head person or a heart person or a hands person, you'll also know what kind of invitations will be appropriate for them. It might be worship. It might be Bible study for a head person who really wants to dig in intellectually. It might be for a small group, for a heart person that wants meaningful connection with other people. It might be a service project for a hands person that wants to make a difference in the world. It also might mean an invitation to keep the conversation going with someone other than yourself. For example, if it's a, a young mother looking to connect with other young mothers, that's not me. But there are a number of capable women who I can hand someone, over, someone like that over to. And remember, much of this goes back to the parable of the sower. We are sowing seeds in the lives of others. Everywhere we go. We're sowing, we're planting, we're watering, but we are not responsible for the growth. We're not responsible for someone's faith. The Holy Spirit creates faith. We sow, we water, God grows. It's not our work, it's his. God wants all people to be connected to him, and as we are connected with him, we connect with others, and we invite in order that they too may be connected with God, in order that they too will get to celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom that has no end, in order that all who believe will have eternal life, that all who believe will be forever united with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who loves them so much that he did everything necessary to give them heaven. Amen.